Club 400 Ballpark Lager is a beer for all nine innings. Take me out to the ball game. This crisp, easy-drinking lager is perfect for a summer day amongst the bricks and ivy. Crafted at Crystal Lake Brewing, this beer is clean and refreshing with minimal bitterness so that you can celebrate a W in style. From Club 400, Cubs fans helping Cub fans, this baseball brew can be found at most places that sell beer in Northwest Illinois or from Crystal Lake Brewing. Beer master Ryan Clooney. Enjoy a beer or six-pack today, and please remember to drink responsibly. Sun's out and shades are in. Get your home summer ready with custom window treatments from Blinds.com. Get a high-end look without the high-end price on our most popular outdoor shades and transform your backyard into the perfect weekend oasis with light-filtering shades that help block UV rays without obstructing your view. Plus, right now at Blinds.com, they're offering up to 35% off everything, making it a breeze to upgrade any room in your home, indoors or out. With over 25 million blinds sold and 35,000 five-star reviews, there's a reason why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Whether you do it yourself or have them handle the installation from the start to finish, Blinds.com makes ordering custom window treatments online easy with free, that's right, free shipping and 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Sunshine and barbecues are in the forecast. Upgrade your backyard and window treatments with Blinds.com today and enjoy your new view all summer long. Go to the link in our show notes to shop up to 35% off site-wide. That's the link in our show notes for up to 35% off site-wide. Rules and restrictions may apply. interesting couple of days it has been um with the mlb trades and some other actually uh some good basketball news as well um our last episode uh, with thomas and the chicago clubhouse uh was received so well for the sports talk um format and two different opinions and views that we decided to do it again um but go deep into uh the trades that have happened. Uh, in addition to that, we invited some of our podcast membership holders to uh, actually um, watch today. So they're going to be in the crowd and coming in and out throughout the day uh, while we're recording. And maybe at the end of their time, we'll take some questions uh, as they do on sports radio shows as well. So um, if this format works, uh, you know, maybe we'll continue that up. And I have some great guests with me today, uh, hosting with me, uh, Joe, who you know, already 
And then, of course, uh, Thomas is here. So before I get to them, though, let me just go over some podcast news. There's a lot of it. Um, we're growing every second of the day. Um, and you're listening to this on the first podcast for August. So uh, I want to give out some news real quick. So bear with me. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, obviously, is um, Obvious Search. I got a chance to um, visit the secret location that is literally across from Wrigley Field that nobody has seen yet. They walk past it probably all the time. But I got to go in there. As soon as I walked in, I saw all the Obvious Shirts everywhere in the different colors. Um, I was just completely blown away uh, by how fast Obvious Shirts has grown just this season alone, thanks to most of the Cubs who are not there anymore. But uh, at least they left something uh, for Obvious Shirts to get started with, and that was all the national attention. Uh, But there was one shirt uh, that really uh, I was happy to pick up while I was there, and I'm showing it to our members there, and that was this uh, Mistaken Identity podcast, Obvious Shirt. It was really, really cool to see that. Uh, and if you are a podcast membership holder, um, I have your search, by the way, and you can just email me uh, as soon as you hear this and we'll work on getting that to you. Uh, obviously, it's not a Cubs related search, so these shirts won't be passed out or even taken to Wrigley Field. Um, but if you're a membership holder, you get first dibs on picking yours up uh, starting today. The statues at Wrigley Field, there's several of them, Harry Carey, um, Ernie Banks. Billy Williams, the guys that made the statues are actually working on the Fergie Jenkins statue, and they are actually going to be on the show. Uh, we have booked them, um, so I'm looking forward to talking to them about uh, what it is like to make those statues that are outside of Wrigley Field. Two guys actually make that. I did not know that, but two guys actually make those, and they're going to be um, joining us on the podcast. I want to show this... Uh, I do want to, let me bring up um, Joe and Thomas real quick, uh, and I'm going to keep on my analysis. But uh, I got this from Larry Bright. And I wanted you all to see this because um, uh, this is pretty cool. But he sent me this box, right, uh, of a baseball. He went down to Cooperstown, and then uh, I got this. First of all, how you doing, Joe? Doing all right. I could be better, I guess, <laughs> what, yes. what's been happening. Yes. And how you doing, Thomas? I'm doing straight. Yeah, it's a bad day right now dealing with the trade deadline, but it'll get better. Yeah, so he gave me this. He went to Cooperstown. I'm going to show you all this ball real quick so you all can see this. But it came with this certificate of authenticity, and it says what number this ball is and how the ball was not – It's not. In, it was retired and what have you. But when I opened it up, I was blown away to see this ball. It's called an unforgettable, and it is this uh, limited edition – numbered and signed um, Jackie Robinson wow. baseball from the Baseball Hall of Fame that is uh, truly unbelievable. Like, I, I was like, whoa, you should never, ever, ever spend this much money on me. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was cool. What, what do you think about that? Isn't that cool? Oh, yeah, that's a really nice ball. That's such a, such a huge piece of history in your hand right there. Oh, I, and then when I saw what, what number it was and everything, I'm like, oh, my Lord. Like, whoa. Like, uh, um, so thank you for that, um, Larry Bright. Um, wow. Real quick, some shows coming up in, um, in August for our podcast membership holders. There are a few. One of them. Um, so 
as you all know, I'm a huge Jason Hayward fan, not for his stuff on the field, but his stuff outside of the field. Uh, and I'm excited to announce we have a pretty cool and amazing series featuring Jason Hayward coming up that I can't give you the title for yet because they're still working on the title. Uh, but I am so excited about it and I'm so into it that I uh, even gave a couple of grand, a few grand of my own money to help uh, get it together. So if you're a podcast membership holder, expect to see some cool um, Jason Hayward related series uh, showing on the site pretty soon. Uh, as well as I'm going on a cruise with uh, Jake. Um, that's going to be a series of, of travel vlogs, as you'll see on there. I'm going to St. Louis to um, Blue Club 400 to see the Cardinals play what's left of the Cubs. Um, so that whole travel series will be on there as well. And yes, a lot going on on the podcast. But enough about that. Let's move on to why we're here today. And uh, I'm going to let Joe lead the way. Go ahead, Joe. All right. Yeah. Um, subtle flex there, by the way, Frank. A couple grand of my own money. All right. Uh, I know you're talking about Antoine being the guy to with, with the with the big wallets, but all right, flex there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's from the investing stock market. You know, I love it. A subtle plug for the YouTube show. I mean, it's all <laughs> full circle, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're. I think collectively, we're all in mourning. I think a lot of us have seen the writing on the wall especially after May with how the Cubs played and what they were going to do around the trade deadline. But obviously that's why uh, me and Thomas are here to kind of banter back and forth, maybe make a little light of the situation, uh, knowing that it's going to be a long couple of years here. But um, Tom, I know you're saying before we started the recording, um, you know, the Cubs were probably the biggest players on the market and I'd agree to a certain extent. And so I guess we're going to start there. Um, I, feel like I lost some friends, honestly, because obviously like we were there um, and like, they'll never take this ring away. Um, but what, what's your take on how, on the returns on some of these guys? Cause I definitely am, am biased in terms of feeling one way about a player in terms of what they got back for him. So I'm not sure how, how tuned in you are to what the prospects coming back for each player is, but what really stands out to you there as far as returns for the Cubs? I got you. I can break them down one by one. So when we first started with Anthony Rizzo, first we got back Alexander Vizcaino. He's the ninth overall prospect in the Yankees organization, which was a pretty deep organization to begin with. And then we got an outfielder, Kevin Alcantara. He's really young, but he's really tall, too. So we'll see how he does in our minor league system. Moving on to Javier Baez, we got Pete Crow Armstrong. Actually, the image behind me, I was able to go to the Under Armour All-American game, I believe, in 2019 was – and he was the number one high school prospect. He was selected by the Mets. And I was actually quite surprised that he was the only player. We didn't get a pitcher in return for Trevor Williams. But he is a solid left-handed. He is a solid left-handed outfielder. And I definitely believe that we have a chance still to grab Javier Baez in a you know Araldis Chapman type deal uh, during the offseason. I still have faith there. It's sad to see one of my favorite players, my favorite all-time player go. But we did get a solid prospect in return for him. And then in terms of Chris Bryant uh, to the San Francisco Giants, we sent him to a team that really wanted to be able to make a spark, you know, with the Dodgers being able to take Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, and then the Padres going after Adam Frazier. And 
they just took Jake Marisnik from us too. So we were able to send the, uh, the San Francisco Giants an all-utility player that will definitely help them compete in the NL West this year that just became the deepest division in baseball. Yeah, for sure. I um, Personally, when you said Javi, um, so I actually immediately bought tickets for when the Mets come visit the Marlins here because yeah. we got to go see Javi as soon as possible on my birthday. Um, my girlfriend's like the biggest Javier Baez fan in the world, just bought his jersey, got into baseball because of Javi Baez, and then they go and trade him. Um, I have a couple of different thoughts. I think the return for Rizzo is kind of appropriate. I know he's like the heart and soul of what it means to be a Cub, but you get a decent arm that projects to be in the bullpen within the next couple of years, which you can't really be mad at. The Cubs need pitching up and down the staff. Uh, I am a little surprised that none of the pitchers coming back are starter projections. I think they're probably going to tackle that in the draft like they did this year. And probably next year they'll go with the college arm with their first pick, which will be a high pick because they're going to not be great the rest of the way. Um, But to your point about uh, Alcantara, uh and the the hall on the whole like they got a lot of outfielders back so it's very reminiscent of the first build-up into like 2014-15 because you were dealing with guys like Soler, um Schwarber, Elmora, Hap like it's outfielder 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 I don't know if they want a surplus there and then maybe deal them for a pitcher at a later date but then you think back when Jed did that the first time you deal away Ewa Jimenez for Jose Quintana so I don't know how much trust you have in appropriating what you have a surplus of and parlaying that into pitching. So I'm hoping that, you know, obviously I'm hoping that all of these prospects are a hit. I think it's appropriate return for Rizzo eh, return for hobby, but I could be swayed either way. I think um, Peter Crow Armstrong kind of projects a little bit more of a defensive speed contact fourth outfielder kind of type, but maybe he has a higher ceiling. I don't, I haven't seen him play that much. Um, and the return for Bryant, I, 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 I can't I can't get with that. Um, I know the My jo- thing with Chris Bryant is that we were looking at Joe Bart. If we're going to go for the number two overall prospect, how do we not end up with the top five? Now, exactly. I will say that we ended up with Alexander Canario, who before COVID, he was a 300 hitter. He's about a 275 hitter in the minors, and he had a season where he hit 16 homers. Yeah. But other than that, we ended up getting Caleb Keeley, and who was their 30 overall prospect. My thing is we definitely should have been able to get a major league starter. I'll say this too. We ended up getting Madrigal, who was a solid, yeah. solid middle infielder in return for Craig Kimball. I love Craig Kimball. He was having the best season, one of the best seasons of his career. He had the lowest array of any reliever this year. And we ended up getting Nick Madrigal, who I will say this. He's never played with Nico Horner, mm-hmm. but they did come up with the Pac-12 together. They were on the Pac-12 all-first team when they were in college. So they've always played against each other. And, you know, Magical was on the White Sox. So they've always played against each other. And it'll be really nice to see if he'll be, a, you know, immediately into the major league system, that, uh, those two up the middle. Yeah, I think that's big. I was talking with um, Patrick Mooney, who's a beat writer for The Athletic for the Cubs. And he said um, that he personally doesn't really see Nico as a, as a shortstop type. But I've heard rumblings as early as two years ago that that was the long-term plan to kind of get him over to short. I think both with uh, Crow Armstrong and with Madrigal, you're seeing a shift, at least organizationally, and like we're going to prioritize guys who can actually get the bat on the ball. They both have incredibly low swing and miss rates, which is like night and day from the guys that they were trying to get through the system and have gotten through the system, like Javi, Soler, Schwarber, all these guys were, you know, big boom, big bust. 
um, at certain times in their respective careers. Um, in terms of what you said, that, that really intrigues me that you say Javi is probably the highest candidate to reverse that role with Chapman. I actually think it's KD, um, considering that, you know, Farhan Zaidi out in San Fran, he has his plan. I think KB kind of just stumbled into that plan, but he didn't give up too much prospect capital for him. I see Chris having the most mutual agreement and probably probably projects to be the better player all around for longer if you were to bring him back to Chicago. But uh, what, what would be the reason you would want to see Javi come back? I would too. Don't get me wrong. I think you bring Javi back and move him over to third. But um, I think he's got a huge reason to stay in a big market and playing up the middle next to Francisco Lindor. I think that might be a big ask for Javi. I definitely believe that we have the ability to get him, but it's going to be hard to be able to separate him from Francisco Lindor now that he's going to be able to play with him. Mm-hmm. The New York Mets are having a lot of injury issues right now, especially in their pitching rotation. So I understand why this might not be the year. But in terms of Chris Bryant, I'll say that with San Francisco, they definitely have a chance to compete this year. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard to separate Chris Bryant from a team that you know has a really good shot of winning the pennant. I'll say for Javier Baez, the reason why I want him back is because I really do believe that the Wilson Contreras-Javier Baez combo from short to catcher is the best duo in the league. Mm-hmm. I always thought they were our most valuable pieces. I, I honestly did not see Javier Baez being dealt away today. Yeah, I, especially after that situation with Amir Garrett, I'm like, you cannot, you, you can't move off this guy. Like, he means too much to your team, to your city, to the fans. Um I mean, so I guess we're just left to have hope that one of them kind of comes back. Um, I would not be mad if it's Javi or Chris or both. Like that, that would be my, I made a Facebook post about this the other day. My dream is that you bring Javi back, you move him to third, you make his swing and miss a little more palatable because you have Nico and Nick up the middle. You bring KB back, he could play everywhere around the diamond, but now that there's a hole at first with Rizzo, I don't really see Rizzo coming back. Um, if anything, I, I feel like he's going to come join me down here in Miami because he's a Florida boy and he would like to stay mm. close to home. Um, but you, mm. you have KB at first, you have Javi at, at uh, third base and the other big reunion. Um, I know Kyle Schwarber is on board with that idea. I know we've spoken to him literally um, and I don't want to let any kind of cat out of the bag. I don't think I am, but there is definitely uh, interest there from at least one side and the DH is coming to the National League. And the other guy that got away, Nick Castellanos, he's definitely going to opt out of his deal uh, coming up this offseason. He set the doubles record when he came over for half a season with the Cubs. I have no idea why Jed Hoyer let him walk. I know you have Hayward's money in right field, but looking forward, I think if you don't jump at the opportunity to bring Nick Castellanos, out of all those people, he would be leading my list. He'd be right next to KB and Javi in terms of guys you really, really, really know need to go get offensively because not only is he a bat-to-ball guy, he also has a ton of pop and he credits Chicago with the way he has transformed as a player. He said Detroit was kind of a soul-sucking experience. I don't really blame him for saying that. And mm-hmm. to not really be deep in a race like he is, like he thought he would be with Cincinnati, to bring him back into Chicago, which is theoretically a team on the rise now, if you have to look at it with the best light, um, I think he would be all for joining a team like that. So I'm just really hoping that the Cubs actually open their checkbook. I mean, they've reset a lot of their payroll. Um, they're going to be – over $150 million beneath the competitive um, tax heading into arbitration next year. So the free agent class is loaded and then it's up to them to spend the money. I just don't know if and when they will, you know? Again, I'm not part of the front office, but one thing I will say about each trade, if I see what we got back in return for Rizzo, I would have liked to see what Boston offered, right? 
if the Marlins ended up trading Marte for Jesus Lazardo, mm-hmm. we could have ended up giving them Chafin or Tapera or ended up giving Kimbrell. If we were giving Kimbrell to, to the south side, why don't we try to get back Cease, who we shouldn't have gave him in the first place? Uh, with the Giants, I definitely believe that we should have looked at Bart. With the Mets, I don't believe that Pete Crow Armstrong is enough for Javier Baez and a pitcher, a starting pitcher. So there, there is a lot of, you know, disparities with the plays even today, but we definitely reset our farm system and we are a very, very young team. If you would have told me that our starting infield at the end of the season was going to be Wisdom, Horner, Bodie was going to be back in the mix. I did. I wouldn't have believed you. Alcantara is coming in now. So I wouldn't have thought that we would have got rid of all three of the four core pieces. Yeah, I agree with you absolutely that Castellanos was a big reason for the downfall of the team because Castellanos, again, is having a career year in Cincinnati. Yeah. He's still going off of them. That that guy, that that guy's like my spirit animal. Like he'll, he'll scruff it up. Like he's, he's like, an outfield version of Javi almost like he's, he's not going to back down from anything. He's going to say what's on his mind and he's going to go and rake. So I think, um, yeah, to your point, I was actually thinking that Joey Bart was cause that, that had been discussed for days. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know Joey Bart uh, catching prospect for the giants, he had a cup of coffee in the majors for them, but he's bashing the ball in the minor leagues right now. That um automatically made me like oh no they're shopping Wilson if they're looking to bring in Joey Bart then they're shopping Wilson which I'm not in favor of um but from a position like this where you're trying to reload the farm system you're kind of just accumulating talent and seeing what rises to the top uh I would have been happy with Joey Bart there was a report that it was Joey Bart and Lamont Wade Jr. for Chris Bryant which that would have been fantastic I would have taken that all day long uh but that didn't turn out to be true um and yeah, to your point about, uh, I think we could shift a little bit to the to the in town swaps. I think uh, Jed got you know hosed a little bit by um, you know getting back what he did from the Sox for Tapera. Um, I think Tapera is having a peak year, and I think he can kind of parlay that into not only this year but next year for a really, 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 really good Sox bullpen. Now, um, I mean. All due respect to Bailey Horn, but I don't even know if he projects as a starter anymore. He's getting smacked in, in high A ball. Um, and I do like the um, acquisition of Nick Magical, like we talked about already. But like you were saying, if not Cease, then kick the tires on Kopech, kick the tires on Crochet. I mean, these are high-level arms. These are high-velocity guys. These are future That's starters. What I, thought. I thought they were going to get Crochet for Kimbrell. That made sense to me. I did not think that they were going to end up getting who they got. Yeah. I, I, I'm not mad at Cody Hewer. I think he's a guy that you could plug into the bullpen immediately, and he could touch 100, and he's a high-leverage-type arm in the future with a ton of team control ahead. I think a lot of – one big picture item that a lot of people miss is um, from a front office standpoint, when you return prospects, you're looking for length in terms of team control, right? So when you come into a system and you haven't accrued enough service time, this was the whole grievance around Chris Bryant and why they brought him up, up as late as they did. Uh, the service time grievance came from when do you start the player's major league clock? Because out from there, you have four years of team control and then three years of arbitration. So you essentially have seven years of a player after you bring them up on the cheap. 
So when you're bringing back guys like that, you think about a Nick Madrigal who's only accumulated maybe a year of service time. Then you have six extra years from now of Nick Madrigal. That's a big win. You try to see his value, what that would be over six years and equate that to half a season at Kimbrell. And you, that's your lever scale there. But with Kopech, he's had so many injuries and, and um, times where he's moved out of the rotation and back into the minors that he doesn't have a lot of service time. And Crochet was drafted as recently as 2020, doesn't have a lot of service time. If you want to get a high caliber arm that you could eventually slot into the rotation, I think that's where you go immediately and then see if you can add a guy like Madrigal. I think maybe they're running into the mistake a little bit again of like, hey, let's build the offense first. Whereas you mentioned earlier, like with Luzardo going to Miami now, they have like seven guys who could be aces and they have the hard part done. Now they just need to build their offense over the next few years. And you can go and buy offense a little bit easier than you could buy pitching. The Cubs mantra seems to be reversed yet again. Like they did that. And I asked Jason McLeod about that the first time around. I'm like, are you just going to keep drafting dudes who could hit 30 home runs and then kind of just buy pitching? And they're like, yeah. And so I think they're going to just like run that idea back. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go a little bit more aggressively for starting pitching in the free agent market. I would love to see them be a player for uh, Noah Syndergaard this offseason. Um, but I, I can't be incredibly happy with the pitching. Like you said, with the pitching that came back, it's mostly pen guys and people who are really far away. So I don't know how happy with I am with the, with the pitching coming back. To me, I will honestly say this is a big opportunity for us in the free agency market. During the offseason, we have an opportunity to spend a lot of money. We can fleece a team if we end up if we end up securing one of the guys that we traded away, we definitely can end up fleecing a team for what we got in return. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. No, I just wanted to, I wanted to uh, uh, real quickly because I saw this um, on social media all day yesterday. I really wanted to talk about the, the impact of, uh, if you two could, um, talk about the impact of um, Rizzo in Chicago for the last 10 years. I know I was at um, Mariano's today and a question came up about what are all the kids at Lori's Children's Hospital who see him every Tuesday uh, you know, what about them and how are they going to, you know, what, what's, what happens next? So I'm just curious to know you uh, what you both think of um, Rizzo's impact on Chicago in general. Uh, we'll go with you first, Joe. And then. Yeah, I mean, that you, you can't you can't quantify that, you know, and the only hope would be is that he continues. I know I know you had a, um, a whole show um, with the update on the Rizzo Foundation and just getting to hear some of those stories, how it immediately like immediately touched David's life um, to be in Rizzo's orbit like that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I could share my memories like I did on Facebook with Rizzo and, and be all cool and oh, look at me, but the actual work on the ground, having a cancer survivor go and be such an advocate for other cancer survivors and just being the, like the epitome of, we're not old enough to have seen Ron Santo or I'm not old enough to have seen Ron Santo Ernie Banks, some of these guys who are Cub incarnate. Um, Rizzo's as, as close as it gets. Like, he's a guy who's for the city. He's a guy who's going to grind every at-bat. He's a guy who's going to reach out and try and pick other people up who are in a similar position to him. And he obviously took the team to the top of the mountain, even though, albeit like a brief time there, where it arguably could have been longer. But I think on the whole, you might not find the only other player probably in my 
fandom experience because I didn't catch all of the Jordan years. I was like six. Um, would probably like the meaningful player to the city would the comp would be Derek Rose simply because he came from Simeon. He had the roots in Chicago. He won. The, he was the youngest MVP in the NBA's history. Um, I, I think they're kind of right there in terms of guys who completely embody what it means to be on a Chicago pro team and two guys who ultimately probably got away a little too soon. Yeah. You know, I, uh, uh, it was weird because, you know, yesterday I, uh, was at the game obviously and, uh, Rizzo was on the lineup and I just knew that, you know, he was going to pinch hit at the end. And then, you know, uh, cause you know, to me, the writing was on the wall, but, I just knew he was going to, you know, he was going to pinch it and get his goodbyes and his standing ovation and his um, maybe come out after the game and get the microphone and whatever. I just knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and when it did not happen, I think for me personally, for me, I was just, uh, uh, I think I, I think for me, just as a human being, uh, it made it worse um, that it was sort of a quiet goodbye, see you later, you know, uh, and not a big rousing in front of all the fans type of thing. That, for me, that was somewhat shocking. Well, if you want, and I don't mean to cut Thomas off, but if you want to read into the tea leaves a little bit on that notion of it being kind of, hey, that's a little too quiet of a goodbye, then I don't know if you could entirely say that's goodbye then. I think um, putting a nice highlight reel on social media out as a thank you uh, doesn't really justify saying goodbye to a guy like Rizzo, but whether he comes back or not, um, you could expect number 44 to be retired um, by the time he, by the time he hangs it up. Well, for me, not even Rizzo. I mean, I was surprised that there was not a goodbye for Brian. Anyone. Brian, I'm just like, it just sort of felt like, all right, you're all gone now. Here's a, here's a, um, Social media posts and, you know. <laughs> it felt very literally transactional, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So what, what do you think about Rizzo's uh, contribution to Chicago, uh, Thomas? I believe that he will. his heart will always be in Chicago. People will know him around here. He will never have to pay for another meal when he comes out here. And then he, he won't he, – he's been on a lot of teams throughout his career. He didn't grow up with the – Chicago Cubs, but he defined the Chicago Cubs. And he was with us at our lowest, and he was definitely with us at our peak. Yeah, we, you know, we have a uh, – obviously, everybody knows we have a connection with the uh, Rizzo family. Uh, we raised money for them and uh, the foundation, so um, we're going to be getting some stuff together to uh, send out to him uh, for those that want to say goodbye. Javier Baez. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of – People, especially the women in Chicago, um, are hurt by that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Baez uh, leaving uh, just personally, uh, Joe? Man, I, uh, I sorry. Um, I put on Facebook earlier um, that I met I met him the first day he ever came to Wrigley Field. Um, I don't know if anybody in attendance has, has, has seen that Facebook post, but um, <clears throat> seeing him interact with his sister, Noelle, um, that relationship that they had, um, 
kind of getting to get an inside look at, at what an amazing family unit he had. Um, you know, his grandma was always around at games, a big social circle, always around at games. He's always a bubbly guy. You, you can't, Javi can, can strike out 18 times in a row and you still want to see Javi, period. Go field, on the bases, go bat. Like, you, it, it, it's just, it's such a loss. It's, it, and I, obviously I wish him very well in New York. I, I'm not a big New York sports guy, um, but the opportunity for him to play with uh, Francisco Lindor they're, they're contemporaries in every single way. They both, you know, hail from Puerto Rico. They're the same age. They play the same position. Um, and they have experience on the national team together. They're going to have a blast, and that's going to be can't-miss viewing. But, um, man, I, it, it was so strange to see. This is, like, the, the back end of it. But, like, John Hen- uh, Henry, John Henry, John Henry, uh, Jim Henry the former GM before Theo actually picked Javi Baez. And the running joke was like the front office can't develop talent. And we got Theo to develop talent. Um, but Jim Hendry kind of knocked this one out of the park. All, all puns intended uh, with getting a guy like Javi. And I, I think having a guy like that, who's just electric to watch um, you always want to see a big market team, like a New York, or LA, a Chicago, have a guy like that. And that was our guy. I mean, you had obviously Rizzo. It's just so astounding to to look back and think of how set you thought that infield was, especially especially in 2016, where you had KB, Javi, or Addison Russell, actually, Javi, Anthony Rizzo, and Wilson Contreras, and that was going to be your infield until like 2030. Even in the 2016 season, you had Zobers, who started the All-Star game at second base. Right. Like Javier Wilson Gutierrez is a rookie. And then Javier Baez is in year two, hadn't even broke it out, broke out as to an all-star level yet. Yeah. I, it's, it's, that's such a, like, obviously they're probably not going to compete the rest of the way this year. And I think the moves today collectively take so much emotional wind out of the sale that you could kind of toss next year out as well, unfortunately. But um, that. Moving Javi, moving KB, it's like for us, it feels like, like I said earlier, we lost some like, or we graduated from college and we're not going to see our friends again. You know, like that's the biggest crossover I could think from an inside perspective like that. Like they would, this group of guys would like walk around the park. And since they were all either my age or younger, they would call me sir because they knew it pissed me off. Like they, they would just like, they would, they would be so fun loving. They would be so carefree you it felt like our contemporaries because they were of our age you know like and just to see those guys leave i, I have to wish them the best and it, it it hurts more than i imagined uh i'm sure it's just the recency but javi is they uh, i don't know you don't find too many players in a major league uniform that affect the game every single appearance they make yeah. it just seemed that every single time javier Baez would come up to the plate it was a big pivotal moment in the game every single time he made a double play I just re-envisioned when he made the double play to secure the NLCS for us yeah and uh with him and with Rizzo you you never really find <laughs> a guy who's willing to stand up for your team by going and offering to fight the whole mm-hmm. other dugout and both times it was the Reds Rizzo uh tried to fight all of the Reds just to defend his teammates Baez tried to fight all of the Reds just to defend his teammates. So, like, 
those are dudes that you would ideally ride or die with. It's just like you you don't find that in today's game. You don't find that very often. Amazing. The hashtag over the past year was Cub together, and now we're all segregated. Right. <laughs> Right. I, I think that's uh, someone in the marketing, marketing department might be, uh, <laughs> might be questioned quite a bit uh, later this week. But Now, uh, so my comments a few minutes ago about, you know, uh, the Cubs not coming out and saying uh, or waving or whatever was based off of a comment that um, Rizzo actually made to uh, may have been Bruce Levine, but Rizzo made a comment in his interview yesterday that fans probably had made plans to come to the ballpark, uh, a little kid as well, for up to a year or so. Uh, and they came to the ballpark that day and they did not get to see uh, him or Bryant. Um, so when I heard Rizzo say that, it made me think that he wanted to play. Because, you know, why else would he, uh, you know, say um, – you know, there are fans all over who've been planning probably all year, little kids, to come out to the ballpark for this one day uh, to come and see me and I didn't play. Uh, why would he say that if, you know, he – I don't know. What, what do you think about that comment, Joe? That, that, that made me realize that, you know, maybe the Cubs should have let them um, play one last time. If Rizzo is opening Santa. What do, you, what do you think about those comments, Joe? Absolutely. I, I think um... – it's such a weird fine line to walk obviously from a emotional perspective and being able to say goodbye like uh maybe if you're putting them in the game really late um you're kind of telling everybody that these guys are gone when maybe there's a five percent chance they're not um so maybe in that way they were trying to say they um they don't want to count their chickens before they hatched kind of thing uh, but on the whole, I think this is like the same argument I've had before with like the NBA with the load management for their stars. Like people take time out of their schedule to go and see a big marquee name on a big marquee team. And then they show up and they're gone. Like, I think if you're, if you have any kind of inclination or any kind of deadline, because you could backtrack it. I was watching the highlights of Michael Phelps from the 2012 Olympics. And the whole narrative was like his last time in the pool for team USA, his last, his last, his last, everyone come see. He came back in 2016. Like, so the biggest, <laughs> the biggest regret you can have if you feel the guy like that and let him get a goodbye. And then he shows up for the next homestand is oops. But also at the same time, you're not letting anybody miss out on anything. You know, I think that was not handled in the best way by the Cubs. And I don't know internally if they had any kind of reasonable hope that they would either resign or have any reason to have them stick around. But if they had even more than a 50% inclination that this would be the last time that the fan base who was actually there could see these guys, um, they kind of, uh, I, I, I think they kind of messed that one up. I just thought it was odd that he would publicly use his interview to say that. I mean, again, yeah. I was thinking it, um, but but to hear him publicly say it, it made me like, oh, well, this is I'm not the only one that's thinking this. The actual person himself, <laughs> he's wondering why, you know, he's saying that people pay all their money planned all year to come and see me. And, uh, you know, they couldn't see. Him. I thought that was very, very interesting. So, yeah, I, I mean, just to piggyback off that real quick, I think we're getting and finally we're getting a much more 
<clears throat> holistic approach to what it means to be a player and intertwined with the city or even a nation. Um, I think uh, it started with uh, Naomi Osaka. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing her name, but she, you know, came very upfront with uh, mental health struggles and what it means to be an athlete, all cause. And I, I think once you distill that to a city level for guys like Chris Bryant, who was crying in the dugout when he got the news about being traded and was very open about the mental toll that these rumors take on a guy who's been an organizational guy for years to have Anthony come to the forefront and openly in an interview be like, yeah, I would have liked to say goodbye to all these people who spent their good money and time to come see me um, to Simone Biles. I mean, there are reasons to consider exterior aspects of not just this guy will go hit 300. Like that's not who he is as a human. And I think now that the players are being much more open and vocal about that from the professional sports scene in the United States to international athletes, I think it's a very welcome change to now see guys who are willing to get into the weeds a little bit about how they actually feel about stuff in real time instead of just giving the blase like, oh, yeah, we went out there and gave it 110% and moving on the non-answer answers. You know, I think it's really refreshing to see that kind of shifting in the direction of, hey, let's hear how these players are actually coping with this because they're humans too, you know? It's funny because, my, you know, my reaction, I was watching, looking at Facebook all day today and all night last night, and, um, you know, you would think that there was a death in the family. But um, Jordan today, Jordan texted me, um, you know, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean am I okay? He goes, you know, all of the trades. And I got to tell you, I learned during the pandemic how important money is in this country. And uh, the pandemic, <laughs> when it comes to like human humanity and life, uh, I've learned from the pandemic that money is supreme. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, if it's if money, if, if a pandemic is not enough to slow down capitalism and money and whatever, surely um, sports, athletics, you know. So I I I, I was just not. I didn't have a reaction uh, that others did because again, because um, the pandemic taught me that, you know, money is supreme. I'm sorry. It just is. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think um, especially now that, you know, teams uh, coming off of that pandemic year are really trying to regroup uh, before the new collective bargaining agreement going into the next baseball season, there could be a work stoppage. There could be a complete restructuring of how, things are taxed, how player salaries are, are, are processed. So there's a lot of um, even more questions that would arise in deadline. I think there is kind of a money crunch, at least on the minds of uh, the Ricketts. They've been very, since the Darvish trade, uh, they've been a little bit more vocal about um, resetting the cap, resetting the tax hits, resetting this, that, and the other, just to kind of get more on solid footing from a money standpoint. Um, but nine out of 10 fans aren't going to view it the same way. Um, and I think that's the perpetual cycle we're going to be on in terms of the mass um, public response to an emotional event like this, not really adding up in the long term to the transactionality of the deal. But at the same time, um, all of these things can be true at the same time because they are. Like, I don't know why people, there are so many people on my social feeds who are enraged that this happened. And I get that for a period of time, but it's the type of 
rage and contempt and emotional reaction that's going to last with the majority of like the Cubs will probably get booed the rest of the season at home. And I think maybe that's fair once, but at the same time, you take a step back and you look at MLB as a whole, this is a business. Um, and as much as you do get tied to certain people, sometimes the time in between will give you a better perspective on things. And that's the entire bet you're making with bringing prospects back for established pieces. Um, but in one way or the other, like you said, it's going to come down to capitalism, to money, to transactions. Uh, it just felt a little bit too transactional for such a transformative team. Like I was thinking about this earlier. I don't think I still five years removed understand how lucky or important the moment was when they actually did win the world series. Um, I was on a trolley going down a shutdown Lakeshore drive in a world series parade and saying vocally, this is the greatest thing to ever happen in this city. And I still don't think I understand how important it is. Cause like that, that in terms of impact, like you can't really top that from a franchise standpoint, what it means to the city. Like maybe you can make the argument if Cleveland broke their curse, when Boston broke their curse, but like it's very, very, very few and far between. And Chicago, Chicago and their fan base at large is enormous. Like there are millions and millions and millions of people deeply invested um, at the outcome. And I think Jed and the front office are kind of in a position where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And <clears throat> when it comes down to it, like you said, Frank, it's, it's all about all about money all right well so this has been fun uh, i've been trying to get you to do this for a long time and uh, <laughs> i have convinced you to do it um you gonna do this again yeah i'd be down i mean we didn't even touch on some of the other moves i i, I don't know if thomas is still on the on the zoom but um yeah it was a it was a wild i mean we didn't even start to foray into the nba draft <laughs> um i did on my segment for last friday but um or today i guess that aired uh, i'm dating myself with the audio here but um yeah it, it, now everybody knows it's pre-recorded um yeah it's um, been uh it's been pretty a pretty wild 48 hours um and i'm sure you know down down the line um football season's about to start uh we're going to see the nba season about to start pennant races are going to heat up uh there's going to be a lot to talk about so i'd love to come back and do something like this again all right, so before we go, we got to get some club tickets away. Uh, if I'm sure they still have some, some kind of value for somebody. But um, so I put all the people that are watching, actually, who are the members of the podcast, the uh, audience that are here, um, I put them uh, in this club thing that Larry gave me. So I'm just going to pull it out real quick, and then we'll see. Uh, I think this is for a game in September, for a game in September. You're not going to have me pick a number? Uh, I put them all in this, so all right. let me just put them out here. Let's just see real quick. Uh, let me see who I have here. See who we have here. It is oh Anthony. Uh, Anthony, who's down there? I think is um, he has an AOL address. But Anthony, uh, send me a message. You're going to be going to a Cubs game, or you can give it away if you choose to in <laughs> September. Um, so good for that. Oh, speaking of that, I got a house full of stuff left over, giveaways and things that either have not been claimed or. I didn't pass it out. So all of you members that are on this um, podcast recording today, I'm going to send you all an email with everything that's left in my house. And then you all get to decide what you want to have so I can get my house back. 
Um, so be looking out for that email as my way of saying thank you for coming on here today. Uh, Thomas, any closing words about what has transpired in the last 48 hours in baseball? Any closing words, Thomas? Yeah, the NL West just fleeced the entire Major League Baseball All-Star game. I'll say that. <laughs> but I am very optimistic about our future. Uh, we have a future rising center fielder, uh, Brennan Davis, who won MVP in the Futures game during the All-Star break. And I am sad to see our core gone. I definitely felt like there could have been disparities in any one of the trades, but I'm excited about the prospects we got back in the future of the Chicago Cubs. Still going to be cut together this way. All right. And one more, one more plug for your show and your stuff, Thomas, that you have a lot going on too. So you can find my on-air mobcast on all podcast platforms, especially Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio is a sports betting podcast and I'm able to interview mm -hmm. some other journalists like myself and professional athletes along the way. I'm ready to start season two and thank you, Frank, for having me on. Uh, by the way, I interviewed Thomas uh, a couple of months ago, actually. Uh, so I knew Thomas when he, was, when he was not as big as he is now. He, he's, he's major and he's, a, he's grand now, but I interviewed mm -hmm. him uh, a couple of months ago and I've been saving it for the right time to play it. And I think this is the right time to play that interview. So I want to have the interview up. But Thomas is the man, Joe. Thomas has 18 different ways he can do that long hair that he has. And you would mm -hmm. not recognize him. You would not recognize him 18 different times the way he can do his hair. Uh, so basically, you all uh, that are podcast membership holders, look out for that interview. I think this is the right time to do it. Thomas is doing some big stuff. He's now a uh, baseball writer um, for an, um, an amazing uh, company, so he's doing a lot of good stuff. Started Wrigley Field with Premier, uh, and has just gone and blown up. So, um, I was a fan of his since day one. So, it's cool to see somebody that I was a fan of from the beginning, um, you know, living his dream right now. So, uh, whatever you need from me, Thomas, you got it. You just let me know for sure. I want to let you guys know Frank hit me up today to be able to talk about this trade deadline situation that the Cubs just went through and I'm honestly willing to talk to Frank any single time so anytime you want me on just hit my line and I'll be there I got you all right all right and then Joe any final words about uh uh the last 48 hours in baseball uh yeah to echo what Thomas said it's tough uh we have the uh wait till next year is right back in the forefront uh I thought we were kind of done with that but uh that's cool uh, nostalgia there. Um, but yeah, I, like Thomas said, like you could, you could debate, uh, we won't really know the full outcomes of the prospect halls for a while. Uh, I I'm saying optimistically 2024, if the money is spent properly, if the development happens properly, 2024, right back in the thick of things, which isn't quite the five-year rebuild we went through earlier. Um, but, uh, it's going to be a long rest of the way this year, especially with how the White Sox figure to play the rest of the way. That's going to be kind of a nightmare situation for Cubs fans in Chicago to kind of witness. Um, but yeah, um, this, the segment was great. I think we could we keep doing it. There's going to be more than enough to talk about coming up soon. So um, I don't have quite as much cool stuff on the horizon as Thomas, but uh, uh, always happy to contribute. Yes, uh, and one thing I didn't mention, uh, we have a uh, surprise uh, former Cub uh, going to be on the podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, as well as uh, a man that you may know, Thomas and Joe, uh, John Vincent. You know that guy? Oh, yeah. Mm, mm. 
I want to see how long he can hold another note. Not yes. the one he always holds. I'm going to challenge him on the podcast to see how long he can hold a note that I give him. <laughs> so the longest, the longest free I was in attendance for was uh, either 23 or 33 seconds. I timed it on my phone. So if he could beat that, it's a good day for John Vincent. <laughs> all right. Uh, so all our podcast members that are watching, thank you all for coming today and now you all got some free stuff that you're going to be getting uh so thank you all very much if you want to be a podcast member matter of fact i think i even asked thomas to do a show uh for my podcast members to watch uh, so you might get to see more of him later on uh i'm always uh begging joe to do something uh but check out you know the new series with uh uh jason Hayward coming up before i forget i keep doing this all the time as you know you're, you're the editor joe so you feel free to edit this out if it's too long but we have a new series coming out by a guy named uh, uh, Marco um, Garcia, who is a GSA, it's a security associate. And he saw the different many generations that work at Wrigley Field. And he thought it would be cool to do a, a series called The Playlist, which looks at uh, what type of music the many generations of Wrigley Field, what they're listening to, from the ushers in the lower bowl to the security on the wall. So he's done a pretty cool series. I got to see. Uh, the debut of it because I was on it. Uh, but it's a pretty cool series that he's doing. I know you like music, Joe. Uh, what do you think about, you know, listening to the playlist of the different generations of people at Wrigley Field? You want to talk about a spectrum of music? <laughs> You're going to go uh, ask a guy like Brian down by the, I don't know if he's still working down by the, uh, the Cubs tunnel there. You're going to get like from the 50s all the way up to like electronic whatever. <laughs> It, it, it's going to be crazy. I think that's a really great premise. Yes, it should be cool. Uh, you're going to get some, uh, uh, well, I think you and Thomas have similar music tastes, but, um, but you're going to get all of it, country to all of it. So uh, get a podcast membership uh, because that will be debuting in uh, August and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you all for listening and please join us on the next episode of the Mistaken Identity Podcast with David or Frank or Joe or Thomas. You never know. All right. <laughs> Bye. Hey, everybody, Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.